Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 4th of May 2014, entitled Stress Without Distress, and the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 to 31. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We're going to take a reading again from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 to 31. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. Isaiah 40, verse 25, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their hosts by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, we thank you again this evening, Lord, for just this wonderful privilege that we have to look into your word once again. And Father, as we take and look at these verses now, we pray, Lord, that Lord, you would take and use them to speak to our hearts. It's not what man has to say this evening, but it's what you have to say to us that's vital. So we pray, Lord, as you know the hearts of each and every individual, Lord, we pray that you would take and make the words alive into our hearts. Help us, Lord, not only to hear, but, Lord, to be receptive and responsive to that which you have for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I said the morning, this morning that, to God willing, we would be looking at a simple thought this evening, stress without distress. Stress without distress. Now, I borrowed that title, uh, certainly not, uh, not from another sermon, but actually from a, a book by Dr. Adrian Rogers. Uh, and of course, many, many books have been written on the matter of stress. Uh, and he's written one that's called Master Your Emotions. And one of the chapters in that book is entitled Stress Without Distress. And so as I borrow that title this evening and, and begin to look, you know, I'm reminded that stress is so common to us today. Um, many, many companies uh, find that uh, uh, that when they begin to really look in, in detail at so many of their uh, executives, those that carry the responsibilities and whatnot, it's not uncommon to find huge percentages of them uh, that are suffering from things like ulcers and high blood pressure and depression. And uh, the vast majority of all these illnesses are coming from that one root, which is called stress. Of course, it's a fact that stress can can literally squeeze years off of our life if we if we don't know how to handle it. 
there's plenty of things in life that can bring stress to us, and, and it's something that we all have to face at some time or another. But we can either handle it in a way that God gives us, I believe, some great insight into the way to where that we can handle these things without allowing them to destroy us and to get us down, uh, which it can so easily do. Um, I guess we also live in a generation that prides itself on all of its uh, academics, uh, on its uh, intelligence, um, but in actual fact, if we really begin to look at it with all the things that, that it's brought us, uh, some of the things that we probably would uh, recognize the most is things like speed, faster lives, everything that we've got to do. We've got to have instant this and instant that. We've got to do it quick. We've got to get there quick. Noise. Uh, again, as, uh, as, as man moves on with all of his mechanical machines, pollution uh, that we tend to just chug into the air around us that, uh, that God has given us. Uh, we... We want to arrive everywhere that we go to. We want to get there faster, but uh, most of the time we still don't really have any idea where we're going anyway. But uh, we want to get there quick. Uh, and, of course, when we get there, a lot of times we really don't know what to do with ourselves once, we, once we've gotten there. Um, someone has observed that uh, uh, this generation could best be described with three words, hurry, worry, and bury. And, uh, and sadly... Uh, that's very, very, very true because we, uh, if we're not careful, you know, as Christians, simply saying that we're not immune to this world that we live in, but we have the greatest antidote. Uh, we have the, uh, the greatest answers to those questions that the world around us uh, seems to be struggling so very much with. And I would remind you of this very common verse. We mentioned it last week. That was not our, our main thought. When Isaiah the prophet here, you know, he said, Even the youth shall faint, be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. In other words, you know, even those that are the most energetic, those that are the most fit, those that ought to be able to handle anything that comes their way. And most of us know we're a bit of a, a, an age span here tonight and and of course, as we look back, I know that some of us that aren't quite as young as we used to be, I can still remember how that sometimes in that youth, you can just feel so indestructible. Uh, you just feel like, you know, that you can handle anything. Uh, but we find out that some things that come along aren't so easy to handle. And of course, the Word of God is telling us, even when we are, if you would say, at our peak, uh, when we have the greatest vitality about us, that even those that are used will faint and be weary. Young men will fall. But, and that's what I like so much here in verse 31, yes, people will be weary, people will be falling all around us, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Wait. Well, that's a tough thing for us to do in our society, isn't it? 
it goes contrary to most of the things that we that we see around us. But it's interesting here, if you go back and you look at this word that's translated wait, they that wait upon the Lord here, this is not implying just some idly sitting by and doing nothing because you don't know what to do or you don't want to do it. Um, this is a waiting that has a strong hope attached to it. It implies waiting because that you're trusting in something. It implies a, 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 a consistency of, of the mind. It means to hope that a thing is going to be effective, to wait steadily and patiently until it is effective. In other words, we're not just waiting because there's nothing to do. We're waiting on the Lord because we have such great hope and expectation in Him. They that wait upon the Lord. They that are there because maybe we have grown weary. Uh, maybe we do feel like we're going to faint sometimes. But if we will turn to the Lord, if we will wait expectantly upon Him, the Lord, you'll notice that in your Bibles, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And of course, that's Jehovah God. Jehovah God, the personal name of our God Himself. The name by which that He officially related Himself to His chosen people. Not to the world at large, but He was Jehovah God to His people. That's sometimes referred to as His covenant name. It's the personal name that he used in, in making his covenants with his people. And of course, he's telling us here that if we will wait expectantly upon Jehovah God, the one that he just got through describing up there, the one that created everything that is, he asked those questions, you know, you know, to whom will you liken me or shall I be equal, saith the Lord? Lift up your eyes on high. Behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? That's the one that we're waiting upon with expectancy. Of course, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall renew their strength. There is a change that is taking place. Yes, even the youth, even the young, they'll get faint sometimes. They'll grow weary sometimes. That's a natural thing. But it's not our strength when we grow weary within ourselves. It's not our strength that we have to depend upon. He says, if you'll wait expectantly upon Jehovah God, the creator of everything that is, the one that holds it all together, there's going to be a change. You'll pass from one state to another. Literally, we'll pass from that situation of weariness, of no strength, to that of strength. That's what he's telling us to wait upon, to look to him. This strength, the, the might, the, the, the power, that which gives us the ability to be able to, uh, to, to, to act and to do the things that need to be done. It's a promise that when we get to maybe that dry spot, that languid state, that we can wait on God for the renewal of our strength. We're waiting expectantly upon him because of who he is, that he will renew our strength. He'll give us the power, the energy that we need to accomplish the task at hand, to be weary. It gives us the idea of, of someone that is that has labored hard, that is that is toiled, that has been 
doing something that has brought about uh, a wearisomeness because of the, the effort that's had to be put into it means that the person who does the kind of activity that causes them to grow weary because they have put forth so much energy. But when they wait upon the Lord, his promise is that they will run and not be weary. Now, I can promise you that even at my fittest in my youth, I used to be able to run a whole lot farther than I can run now, and I used to be able to run a whole lot quicker now, but I've never been able to run and not get tired. Uh, I can remember that I guess some of the hardest driving was was it was in the military when they used to make you get out there and they'd drive you to to run all these distances and they do them in a certain amount of time and and of course they were trying to build up that endurance but you'd literally run to the point to where that you were just so weary that there's been times when I got to the end and crossed that line all you wanted to do was just totally completely collapse because there was no strength left. That's the picture that he's talking about here, when we grow weary because we have genuinely exerted so much to do what we were doing, we find that he tells us here, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Most of us know what it means to faint. Uh, it means to get past that point of being weary to where you just literally completely collapse. God is the one that will hold us up. God is the one that will gird us. God is the one that will keep us from fainting. His strength is conditional upon one thing here. What is that one thing? That one thing that's so hard for us, waiting upon him, not trying to do it ourselves. And I know that sometimes within ourselves, you know, we like to feel that we can do it ourselves. And so many times because of, I guess, the days that we live in and we are a very blessed people, not only in the world, but when we stop and think, you know, we've never had so many tools at our disposal to be able to, to study God's word, to understand it, to know it. But of course, the problem is so many times that even when we know all of these things. The truth is, is that within ourselves, if we're not careful, we'll start doing all of these activities, but we're just doing them because we know it's what we're supposed to do. Uh, we get so accustomed to doing things the way that we do, and we get so good at it that we just don't wait upon the Lord. We just get on and we do it. So we find as we keep this wonderful, wonderful promise here in mind, we find that the first thing that I'd like to apply that to, of course, is just this area of stress. You know, what do we mean by stress? Well, one definition that I found says this, it is the gap between the demands placed on us and the strength we have in meeting those demands. It's that gap between what is expected of us, what's being asked of us, what is being required of us, and the strength that we have to be able to meet those demands. We find that there's all kinds of responsibilities and necessities. I've heard almost all the students talking about, you know, we can sometimes, it's not just the, 
physical labor, but it's the mental labor and all these, these deadlines that have to be met, whether it's at school or whether it's at work. The demands that so many times are placed on us, the strength that's required to be able to meet those demands. And of course, the opportunities, all those things are there that sometimes we just want to do, even when maybe somebody's not expecting it of us, we ourselves put those demands upon ourselves that we ought to do this and we ought to be doing that and we must do this and nobody else is required it of us, but we're actually requiring it of ourselves. There's that conflict, that pulling in opposite directions. I'm sure that most of you at some time in your young lives have maybe played tug of war. And you get that rope and you got all on, on, on each side of that thing and you're just pulling in opposite directions. And, and of course, you know, the, the, the problem is you, t you tend to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until one side gets more tired than the other side and they collapse and the other side pulls them over. Sometimes in life, we just feel like that maybe we're just being pulled in opposite directions. We just don't have the ability. It's just, it's just wearing us out. I myself am guilty many times of thinking of things that I ought to do, things that I must do, and yet I simply can't do. And it begins to get you frustrated. It begins to get you down that old expression sometimes that says, my can-do can't keep up with my want-to. <laughs> Sometimes we want to do a lot more things than what we can do. The pressure that this puts is what we many times relate to and call stress. All these things, the demands in life, and yet not having in whatever the capacity to have the strength to be able to meet those demands, whether they are outside demands that others are putting upon us or whether they are demands that we're putting upon ourselves. Of course, there are many, and you've got to remember this evening. I mean, there are many, many, many books, many studies done on stress, and I don't plan to give you some magical formula this evening, but I just want to give us some things from God's Word that hopefully all of us can use. I've listed three, three of the primary reasons for stress. One of them is just the demands of service. You know, even the Lord Jesus Christ himself was weary. In John chapter 4, verse 6, we've got the statement made of Jesus being wearied with his journey. Jesus was wearied with his journey. In other words, when he came in the flesh, when he came and took on humanity, though he was still God, he faced all that we face in the flesh, and he got tired just like we get tired. The truth is, is that you cannot expel energy. You can't work without becoming tired and weary at some point. It's a natural consequence. But the problem is sometimes that can cause, cause stress, especially when there doesn't seem to be the time for the rest. The work piles up, the demands are there, but there's just no more strength to go on. 
So what I'm saying is oftentimes stress is just a result of all of those demands that require us to do something. But also sometimes it's not just those demands upon our life, but in many people's lives sometimes it's the disregard of sin. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now the word cover there means to hide something, to, to conceal it. Whereas the word prosper means to, to push forward and to be able to, to accomplish something. Of course, the word confess. You ever told a kid to say, I'm sorry? And then they said, I'm sorry. But you knew. You knew he might have been sorry because he had to in his words, but there was no sorrow inside because of what they'd done. Like the little boy one time that his dad told him to sit down. And he was continuing to stand. And he sat down, but he had this really awful expression upon his face. He said, I might be sitting down in my body, but I'm standing up in spirit. <laughs> and sometimes as adults, you know, we, we go through those, those, those same things, but what the Bible is talking about here is when he says confess, literally the, the word that's there means that it's not just words, but we're confessing something. It actually has to do with just, you ever get so upset about something, you just maybe start wringing your hands without even realizing it. That's, that's the word that's translated confess here. It's, it carries with it this, this, this idea that it's, it's coming from within and you're just, you're confessing it. You're just, you're wringing your hands, forsaking. Forsake means to let go of it, to loosen it, to relinquish it. We find that the word mercy there means literally to have compassion, to have compassion. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. When we try to conceal those things in our lives that are separating us from God, separating us from in our relationship with God. It's like I've said it many times when we're talking about communicating with God in prayer. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Well, we know that we don't go around all the time driving our cars with our eyes closed and we're, we're praying or we're kneeling in the floorboard while we're driving down the road and we're praying in, in that fashion. But the truth is, is that we should always, in other words, I believe the picture that the Bible is giving us there, pray without ceasing. We should always be in communication with the Lord. It's just like when you're walking down the street hand in hand, you know, you don't have to go back and get 14 things straightened out before you can speak to that person. Everything is okay. You can look over and speak at any time. You're in communication all the time. You're there with each other all the time. We find that so many times, not only the demands that are placed upon our lives for service, but the disregard of sin, just not being in the proper right relationship with God makes these things much more stressful. 
But of course, thirdly, I'd like to remind you that we do have an enemy. So not just the demands of service and the disregard of sin, but the devices of Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You see, Satan will try to work on you in lots of ways. It's not always the fact that he's come to you with his red suit and his little pointed tail and his pitchfork and, oh, there's the devil. I know to stay away from him. We know that he comes to us sometimes as an angel of light. He comes in an attractive way. He wants to tempt us. He wants to, we know that oftentimes we may not see him physically, but he's working on our minds, that battlefield. Well, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And the reality is that many times one way that Satan will use to cause this stress to build up, to cause our relationship with the Lord to suffer, is just to have this unforgiving spirit. You keep putting in your mind, you know what else? You know what they said. You know what they did. They don't really love you. All these things going on. And so many times, it's just some little tiny thing. What's the old saying? Making a mountain out of a molehill. Satan's real good at doing that in our minds. To make us think the absolute worst. To have this unforgiving spirit. And of course, that's what he talks about back in uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. He says, Judge not that ye be not judged, verse 1. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Well, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in their own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. In other words, if you'll allow me to illustrate, it's like you can see that little splinter in somebody else's eye when you've got a two before sticking out of yours. <laughs> or four by two, I think, that, uh, uh, that you say here instead of two by four. You got this big beam. It's so much easier to see other people's faults, to have this judgmental spirit, to think how unchristian that is and how unloving that is and how unkind that is and how they ought not to be doing this and they ought not to be doing that. But the Bible is teaching us here to look at ourselves if we want to help somebody else with their sin, and that's not a bad thing if we have the right attitude about it. The Bible deals with that in other places. But what he's talking about here is being judgmental about what is wrong with them. When we've got even bigger things wrong with us. He's saying, let's worry about our own sin. And of course, again, that's the devil. Not only with this unforgiving spirit, but with this 
judgmental spirit of judging others for what we see wrong with them in their Christian life instead of trying to deal with the things that are wrong in our life. And we all have things that are wrong. We all have things that we need to deal with. If we could learn to see each other with the same kind of compassion and grace that the Lord sees us with, then our lives would be so, so much sweeter. A couple of familiar passages, Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And of course, the Apostle Paul used athletics in a number of his illustrations that he uses in Scripture. And of course, that's one thing that when you get out there to run that race, you know, we're talking about the demands of getting out there and running without becoming weary. Well, you know, one thing that the military did that they never did to me when I was running in school was you not only had to run that distance, but then you had to put this this back sack on that felt like it weighed as much as you did, and you had to run with all that weight. I've never seen anybody that got out there and running in the Olympics or any other athletics for that matter that tried to put as much stuff on as they possibly could before they got out there to, to race. Matter of fact, sometimes you almost need to clear, clear your, uh, uh, put on some kind of shades because they're trying to strip down so much they got so little on, uh, but they don't want anything to inhibit them. And of course, he's using this illustration here. Lay aside those weights. Lay aside those sins that so easily besets us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Don't run, try to run with all these things that are weighting you down. We need to be running with clear hearts and clear consciences. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. You know, they say, and it's probably proven pretty much right in my life, and I've heard it anywhere from, you know, but at least 90% or better of the things that we fear are going to happen never happen. We are so afraid that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. We're so afraid of what the consequences are going to be. Yet, we find that when we get there, we had nothing to be afraid of at all. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, a lot could be said there, but all I'm saying, it comes right back to what we're being told here by the prophet Isaiah. The truth is, is that it comes back to our relationship with the Lord so many times we are afraid of these things because we're afraid of what might be when he has promised to be there for us. He's promised to give us the strength. He's promised to meet our needs. He's made all these promises, and yet, though we know them and we can maybe even quote them, they're not real to us many times when the old devil comes trying to put all of those fears there. Perfect love casteth out that fear. So I'm just saying that the problem of stress is real. And it is that gap, if you would, between the demands that are placed on us and the strength we have to meet them. Sometimes it comes from just 
the demands of service on our life, sometimes externally, sometimes internally. It can also come from the disregard of sin in our lives, but it can come from the devices of Satan. And we need to recognize that all these things can be there working against us, trying to make us weary, trying to make us faint. But though that problem of stress is real, may I say to you, the promise of strength is real. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That strength, to renew it. In other words, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to change. It's going to sprout out again. Maybe it's not there right now. Maybe you don't see it right now. I thought about when I was reading this. Have you ever noticed that you can have this beautiful, smooth, slick service, surface of, of, of tarmac that's just so beautiful and, and it's so, so, so smooth and so solid, and yet you walk across there, there, one little blade of grass that's made its way right up through that tarmac. Such a small thing. You know, within itself, you'd look at it and you'd think that it has no strength at all. Matter of fact, one of the amazing things is, I don't have a, a, a pocket knife in my, in my pocket, but sometimes I, I carry a pocket knife, just a small little slitch knife for, you know, not cutting people, but cutting strings and tape and boxes and those kind of things. But I don't know if you've ever taken a knife of any kind and tried to stick it down in the tarmac. You won't have very much success. <laughs> Matter of fact, you might be able to take a hammer and start banging it down in there, and you might get it in there before you break the blade off. But the amazing thing is you take that strong, steel, sharp blade, and you try to stick it in that tarmac, and you can't get it to go. And yet that little piece of green grass will grow right up through it, and it'll make its way right to the surface, and then it'll just continue to grow. You see, the truth is, is that so many times in our lives, it's little things, little things that push their way through. Little things, just like that little blade of grass. But we find that that little blade of grass can lift a chunk of asphalt right out of its way. 2 Corinthians 5.17, a familiar verse is, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, that is a changed life. God promises us a changed life. But it's also an exchanged life. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the Christian life truly 
is about Christ living in me. Christ living in you. The same life that he lived here on earth. And we've looked at so many passages of scripture, so many truths that he's given this to us in. You see, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, inhabits this humanity of mine. You know, the only thing that he wants from us is a willingness, a willingness to give him control. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you have not his spirit, then you're simply not his. If you're a child of God, he lives within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. No question about it. But as he lives within us, as he inhabits ourselves, does he have control of our lives? Do we give ourselves willingly to him? Do we allow Christ to live his life through us instead of us living our own lives? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That should never, ever, ever even be a question in our minds. If we genuinely stop instead of just knowing a bunch of Scripture, if we recognize Jesus Christ lives in me. Is this problem too big for him? Is he going to faint? Is he going to grow weary? The one that created everything that exists? The one that holds it all together? You see, the promise of strength is from our God. The key, the key to Dealing with stress is found in this phrase, wait on the Lord. I find that hard, and most people find that hard. Truly, expectantly, waiting on the Lord, expecting that strength to be renewed, expecting to be recharged, expecting him to do what he's promised to do. Psalm 62, 1 says, Truly, my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. You know, that's where it always must begin. We wait upon him. We wait upon him. From him comes our salvation. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to have him living within us. Proverbs 8.34 says, Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. You see here that waiting is linked with listening. <laughs> listening to him. Not listening to all the, the people around us that are telling us how we're going to fail and how bad that it's going to be. Not even listening to the devil that might be trying to put all these things in our minds and our hearts and, and try to put that fear there and he wants us to fail. But we, as we're waiting upon him, we hear him. We need to listen to what God has to say to us. Do we genuinely recognize that he has instructions for every area of our life. There's nothing that we're going to have to do. There's nothing we're going to have to face in this world 
that he's not going to be there and that he doesn't have the answer for us. Waiting for God to give us the instructions on what we need to do, how we need to do it. Genuinely, yes, sometimes sometimes these demands might begin to, to build up in our lives. But remember the promise that he's made. If we wait upon him, he will. Just as he saved us, if we listen to him, he has the answers. He will guide us. That's his promise. Psalm 104, verse 27. These wait all upon thee. Why? That thou mayest give them their meat in due season, waiting, emphasizing the provisions. You see, what we see here is that on the one hand, we wait upon the Lord. The first thing he does is he gives us our, our salvation. But then from that point on, if we wait and listen, he will guide us each step of the way where he wants our life to go, what he wants to do with us, him living his life through us. And if we wait upon him, he will provide whatever it is that we need. He'll provide it. We don't need to fear. We don't need to worry because he's there. And those, those things are easy, but... This is the application of God's Word. We're not meant just to know it so we can impress people by quoting the verses. It's meant to change our lives. The problem of stress is real. But the promise of strength cannot be more real because that promise is from Him. If we genuinely, instead of jumping and doing it ourselves, no matter how clever we might think that we are, no matter how long that we've been a Christian, if we'll wait and listen to him, if we'll trust in him, we can. We can have that, that assurance of knowing. The problem of stress, the promise of strength, and then finally, the program of service. See, what else did he say there? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Well, there's many things. If you've never read up, and we'll take time for it this evening, but, boy, the eagle is an awesome creature. When you see one, they're so majestic. And you know, the thing is, is that we're really seeing, he's using an illustration here of an eagle, something that has strength amidst some of the greatest adversity. You see, if, have you ever thought what it would be like up there flying? Have any of you ever been up in an airplane when you got in the midst of a horrible storm? You know, I've, I've done a lot of flying in my life. I've flown all over the place, and I've been in some turbulence here and there. But I had an experience that I will never, ever forget. When I was just in my late teens, I was stationed in Spain. I was going home for a probably a 30-day or whatever uh, uh, leave uh, to, to visit my family and whatnot. And I remember I left Madrid, Spain, and I was flying back to the United States and this was back in the old days. I still remember that aircraft 
TWA, Transworld Airways, one of the old airlines that doesn't even exist anymore. But I was on that aircraft, and I promise you, it's one of the most frightened that I've ever been in my life because we got in one of the most horrific storms. And I mean, this airplane was literally shaking around in the sky. The lightning was lightning. I mean, the bolts were literally when, when it, it was like it was, it was banging and the whole aircraft was shaking and the whole aircraft was lighting up and would be flying along and all of a sudden, you just feel yourself fall. Have you ever, you know, I mean, it's like the kids a lot of times when you go over a hump in the car, they like it because of that little sensation, you know, that, uh, that comes in their tummy. Well, when you're 40,000 feet in the air and you feel yourself falling like that, it's not quite so much fun. That thing would, it would just be, it would literally just be falling and all of a sudden, bang, felt like it hit the ground. But it actually just caught air again. And I was expecting the wings just to kind of rip off the sides of it or something. But I was frightened because of flying in this horrific storm. But I say that to say this, I was inside of an airplane and that was bad enough. What about a bird that's flying around up there in all of that with no protection whatsoever? Do you know what the eagle does when the storms come along? He flies above them. You know, the aircraft try to do that. And that's what they'll aim to do is, is, is to get above the storms so that they're up there. But that's what the eagle does. The eagle gets up there and soars above the storms. We find that that's a picture that he's giving us here that we, oh, it might be tough and we might be weary. We might be worn down. But if we'll wait upon the Lord, he'll renew our strength and we will mount up with wings as eagles. We'll be able to, to soar above the storms that we're going through and get above them. The verse promises strength in the midst of adversity. It also promises strength for the opportunity. What do you mean, preacher? Well, God, God not only promises strength for the ability to be able to get above the storms by being able to, to take advantage of his strength and doing that. But when you're confronted many times with opportunities in life and you think that's, that's a wonderful thing, that's a great thing. But have you ever saw wonderful opportunities that you didn't have the, the ability to respond to? You just couldn't do anything about it? Well, this is part of the picture that he's giving us here is that when those things come along, there may be something that we see that is a wonderful opportunity, but it's bigger than us. And if we're not careful, we'll start getting all frustrated because here's this wonderful opportunity, but I don't have the, the means to be able to take advantage of it. But the Lord will give us. We need to wait upon the Lord. You know, the, the Lord is not going to open a door before us without giving us the ability to go through it. And if it's somebody besides God that's opening that door of opportunity, you don't want to go through it anyway. Wait upon the Lord. Strength. Strength for every necessity of life. I think sometimes that, you know, again, I relate back to especially sometimes when Children want certain things in life. 
might be a specific toy that they've seen that maybe a friend's got or advertising has got the best of them. All these companies know how to appeal to the kids and get their attention. But most of the time, it's not that I want that. Dad, I need this new bicycle. I need this. I need that. I need that new pair of trainers. I need these things. But you know, as adults, sometimes we're just as bad. <laughs> we think about all these things that we need, all these things that we have to have. And yet if we just realized, you know, we are so blessed, we have so much more than most of this world can even begin to hope for. We let these necessities, yes, there are real necessities of life. You know, God does want to give you the desires of your heart, but God hasn't promised to fulfill every ungodly want that you have. He has promised to meet every need that you have. He's promised to meet your necessities. So when we begin to feel these things building up on us, when the demands upon us just seem to not match up with the ability that we have to meet them, when there's this gap between the strength that we have and the demands that are being asked of us, Remember, first of all, many times where that the root of that stress comes from. Remember those things and address those things. You know, it's kind of like we, many times in life, I, I forget now it was relating to something that I heard on, on, on one of the uh, news programs, and I know it's probably a sin to be listening to that stuff anyway with, with what... Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty depressing. If you're not depressed already, just uh, just sit down and watch the evening news and you'll get there pretty quick uh, because, you know, they're never looking for the good positive things usually. It's always all the, the most horrible things in the world that will get people's attention the most. But I remember one day this week, and I was listening to the news on the, on the radio as I was going somewhere, and I remember that they, they were talking on there this time and one of the comments that came about was, was quite telling because I guess that so many times in, in life, we do get to feeling the pressures. The pressures just tend to mount and, and, and build up, and sometimes we can almost feel like that we're being crushed uh, beneath everything that is expected of us. But the truth is, is as we begin to face those things and look at those things, we need to recognize that more times than not, it's we that are putting the greatest stress upon us because of what we expect of ourselves, what we demand of ourselves. And as the problems of stress are real, I'm just encouraging you this evening. The Bible is full of God's promises. But even in this one promise that we have before us here, you know, God begins by reminding us of who he is. Who can you compare me to? Just, just open your eyes and look at who I am. And of course, he is the one that gives us power to the faint, 
To them that have no might, he increases strength. Yes, even in our prime, even when we've got our greatest levels of energy, we'll grow weary, can sometimes fall, but if we'll wait upon the Lord, truly wait upon him, he shall renew that strength. We shall mount up with wings as eagles. We'll be able to run and not be weary. We'll be able to walk and not faint. That may sound like pie in the sky, but that's honestly the difference of doing it ourselves and letting God do it for us. Recognize, you see, when that stress begins to come, recognize your righteousness that you have in Jesus Christ. When you begin to feel like you're failing and feel like you're getting it all wrong and everything else, I give you these verses in closing. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, he says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Recognize. You may feel like you're failing. You may feel like that you're just getting it all wrong. But if you're waiting upon the Lord, upon his wisdom, remember your righteousness in Jesus Christ. Remember how God sees you. Rely on your resources. Ephesians 1.19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us were to believe according to the working of his mighty power, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to his mighty power. Colossians 1.29, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Rest in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 6, through the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Remember, you can rest in Jesus, and he's the one that'll be there, that'll give you that strength. But instead of just failing and accepting it, instead of expecting it all of yourself, expectantly, truly, genuinely, wait upon the Lord, expecting him to renew your strength. He promised that he would. He can't fail you. If God could break that promise, then what assurance can you even have of your salvation? That's where it begins when we wait upon the Lord. Our salvation is in him. And then all of our strength and our guidance is all by him. Our rest is in him. And this evening, we all have to face stress day by day. And that probably won't change whether we preach on it one time or whether we preach on it a hundred times. But I just want to encourage you this evening because it is a problem that's so real to all of us. And yet God is right there. His promise is there for us. We don't have 
to allow ourselves. You see, stress will come, but how are we going to handle it? When we suddenly feel ourselves growing weary, when we feel that there's a gap between what's demanded of us and what we can accomplish, will we be willing to truly expectantly wait upon Him, trusting Him to renew our strength? Father, we thank you this evening, Lord, for this wonderful promise in your word. And Lord, we don't pretend tonight to have looked at all the causes or answers to this great problem of stress that seems to be such a part of our lives and our society today. But Lord, I pray that you would help us not just to know these verses, but to live these verses. Help us, Lord, that when stress comes, we won't allow ourselves to become distressed. But Lord, that we will wait upon you. We'll trust you to renew that strength that we so desperately need to have renewed. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <music> 